Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be godly leaders in our homes, workplaces, and communities. Every man has struggles. Each one of us has had to fight temptation and fight against the desires of our flesh. And if we're being honest, we've all failed many, many times. Even in our failures and struggles, there's hope for something more, something better. There is hope in the midst of our struggle and failure. Through honesty and vulnerability, through the help of other strong Christ followers and maybe even counselors or professionals, and through God's grace and strength. Our guest on today's podcast knows firsthand what it looks like to struggle and fight against temptation. Greg Oliver was a worship and music pastor, married to his wife Stacy, and was on the surface doing just fine. That was until 2009, when God exposed Greg's years-long struggle with sexual addiction and pornography. As a result, Greg lost his job, his wife was absolutely devastated and betrayed, and they both felt lost and empty. Yet his story is still one of God's grace and the faithfulness of some true friends and the qualified therapist who helped him. Today, you'll hear Greg's story, a story of the power of transparency to break down barriers, a story of heartbreaking consequences, yet restorative grace, and a story of God's power to redeem even the most difficult circumstances. We're so glad you've joined us for this important episode. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today on Men's Leadership Network Podcast. We are so glad that you're tuning in today, and we pray that God will speak to you and to your heart. I'm joined today by Greg Oliver, and Greg is an amazing man of God and just so thankful for his story, and I believe you're really going to be challenged uh, today. And so, Greg, thank you for joining us today. Really uh, glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, me too. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey. Yeah. So I'm 51. I've mm. uh, been a Christian since I was about six. Mm. Um, I uh, I grew up in a kind of evangelistic home, going to you know strong Bible teaching churches my whole life. Um, I went to a Christian high school, and then I went to Bible college. I kind of um, got really involved with music when I was pretty young, sang in the church all growing up. Mm. Um, and just sort of felt like I had uh, a draw, maybe a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back on it now, and, and uh, those lines can sometimes be a little bit blurry. But I mm-hmm. felt like it was a calling to, to go into ministry. And so I went to a Bible college in Birmingham, and that's where I met my wife, Stacy. We met in the fall of 89. And after I finished my degree, for the next 15 years or so, I was on staff at two different churches, mm-hmm. uh, one in Louisiana, one in Birmingham as a worship pastor. And um, the other part of my story that was going on in sort of a parallel lane that Mm. nobody but God and I knew about was uh, just this secret hidden sexual addiction Uh. that had begun to kind of germinate all the way back, I'd say, the time I hit puberty and began to experience kind of a misuse of my sexuality and using it for coping and comfort rather than, you know, what it was intended to be uh, used for. Um, just didn't know what I didn't know. And so by the time I got older, it was sort of like every life phase that was coming. It's like, well, when I get into that, I'll get a handle on this. Or when I get married, Mm. then it'll be better. You know, all the lies that everybody who struggles with unwanted sexual behavior experiences, I did too. And every time I got into a new season, it wouldn't get easier, it'd get harder. And there's more stresses, not less. And I have come to realize that a lot of the catalysts for my unwanted behavior was anxiety and stress and just feeling overwhelmed. And very early in life, I learned how to medicate that by escaping. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I was really young, it'd be escaping into just watching TV or doing something that was, you know, seemingly innocuous. 
once I hit puberty and discovered masturbation, that mm. became wow. like the all-star, the number one on the list mm. of, of things that could kind of help me escape. And then, you know, when something becomes addictive, and, you know, maybe we can talk about that later, all the different levels of what's going on, it it's trying to meet a real need with a counterfeit solution. Mm. And it feels like it's working for a while until it doesn't. And so then the the attempted solution has to escalate in order to just give you that same sense of doing something. And, and so that's kind of the nature of any kind of addiction. It doesn't continue to satisfy. You've got escalation and your, your tolerance threshold rises. And before long, it's, you know, you're starting to do things that you swore you never do. And that was the case with me too, all the time being in full-time church pastoral ministry and trying to keep those parts of my world separate. Mm -hmm. And so it felt somewhat manageable for a while. The longer it went on, the less manageable it felt. And it was kind of like, the, you know, that trash compactor scene in Star Wars, you know, where the walls are closing in. And I knew that it was an addiction and I knew that it wasn't going to end well for me, but I just kept trying to, to delay the inevitable because I knew it was going to be bad. Mm. And I, another thing I knew is I was never going to be the guy who raises his hand and says, hey, I've got a problem. I need help. Mm. There was too much to lose and too much fear of a ruined reputation, a ruined family, loss of everything that was important to me. That's what I believed would happen. And so um, in his grace, which was pretty painful at the time, but I see it was very loving and gracious, uh, beginning of 2009, uh, God orchestrated a scenario in which I was exposed. Mm. And, uh, and it just, I didn't have the choice. It was out and everything blew up. And, you know, some of the things that I was afraid would happen, happened. I, I lost my job. And considering what I had done, that was appropriate. Mm. Um, but really lost a lot of relationships in the aftermath of that, too, which was pretty hurtful. But in the midst of all of that, I've, I was finally able to come out of hiding and to get help and to come to understand what had been going on all these years and kind of how it had started. And that was really important for me because I believe that you can't really own something that you don't understand. Mm. And too often in, in evangelical world, we see bad behavior and we say, well, just knock it off, mm. right? Just quit doing that. You know, love Jesus more than your sin. But a lot of times it's people that do love Jesus more than their sin. They hate what they're doing and they know that they've been trying to knock mm. it off. So there's got to be more going on and there's trauma and there's family of origin and there's all kinds of things that feed into our stories. And so I finally was able to start understanding that mm. and recognizing that Everything that I was doing, I was trying to help myself from a place of isolation, and so it was never going to work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sexual addiction is an intimacy disorder, mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from a clinical standpoint, and you can't fix a problem with intimacy by yourself, because mm -hmm. intimacy by definition requires more than one person. Yeah. So, um, you know, now I finally had the opportunity to do that, and thankfully, my wife Stacy chose to stay, uh, chose to trust in what she saw God doing, and, and even to dive in and do her own work, because mm -hmm. both of us were unhealthy in our marriage. Um, she didn't cause anything I did. I wasn't responsible for any of her brokenness, but we fed off of each other in unhealthy ways for the first 17 years of our marriage. Wow. And so we began to get intimate and healthy relationally for the first time, and I just found a community. I, I, I said earlier I lost some relationships, but I found new ones that were just amazing and they were real. Mm. And so that's kind of been what life has been like for me for the past, going on 13 years, in January of 22, it'll be 13 years wow. since all this was exposed. And I've kind of been living in, in actual freedom. Mm. 
And uh, so that's kind of a nutshell of, of where I've been and kind of where I am now. Wow, Greg. I, mean, I really appreciate you being honest and just sharing that with us, you know, because I think there's every guy struggles to I me mean, with the things we see. Guys are so visually stimulated. And, right. you know, it starts, like you said, I mean, you know, pornography or and then you start to act on that. And then you know, next thing you know, I mean, you have full blown affairs and you know, you're yeah. going, how did I get here? You know, and, and, and mm-hmm. what led you then coming out of that? What, what led you to begin to help other men who are dealing with this? Well, the, the beginnings of that was there was another man in Birmingham who had been a worship pastor at a church I'd attended while I was in Bible college. And I had heard a few years before all my stuff blew up that he had lost his job when a porn addiction was exposed, but I had heard he was doing well. I didn't really know more than that. And I thought, you know, if, if ever I get caught, he's the guy I'm going to call. Mm. And so I did. And very early in my process, I called him. He ended up being my sponsor in recovery. And, but that first time we met, it was at a lunch, and I just vomited out my whole story, like no holds barred, and, and just was kind of internally flinching, because even though I, I kind of knew cognitively that he was safe and he wasn't going to reject me, that fear, you know, was still there. And he just, he looked at me when I got done, and he had tears in his eyes, and he just said, Greg, I'm so sorry that you carried that for so long by yourself. And... I've never been more proud to be your friend than I am right now, and I'll walk with you. I'll do anything I can for you. And it was just overwhelming because as I was driving away, I realized that, like, it was, it was my friend Kelly saying that to me, but it was actually me experiencing it like Jesus was saying it mm-hmm. to me because I had been so disconnected from feeling like I was in a relational place with Jesus mm-hmm. that it was like Kelly was, was channeling Jesus' voice for me. And I wanted other people to get to experience that because it changed everything for me. And so my therapist got my permission to give my name and number to other clients that needed somebody to talk to. And that's kind of how it started is my phone ring and somebody would be all, uh, 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 hey, uh, so-and-so gave me your number. And I'm like, you, you want to meet at Starbucks or O. Henry's Coffee? And let's, let's sit down and we'll talk. And it just kind of would usually start by me telling them my story and all of a sudden their, their shoulders would get less tense, their eyes would get wide because I'm telling them my story, but they're hearing elements of theirs. Wow. And, and I just love God taking something that was so horrible for so long and, and redeeming it in that way. Um, and it was kind of the gift of getting to experience, you know, what the beginning of Second Corinthians talks about, you know, taking the comfort you've received and letting God use it to comfort others. And so that, that's how it started, mm-hmm. and it just became something that really connected with my heart for ministry and my Enneagram two-ness, <laughs> you know, of being somebody who loves and feels filled mm. by getting to help people. Mm. Um, and so it's just kind of went from there. I had no idea at the beginning it was going to result in a nonprofit or something that I would do full time, but that's where it ended up. Yeah. Tell us about the now. ministry now. Like, yeah. what, what are you seeing now? Well, Awaken is the name of mm. the ministry that Stacy and I started in 2015. Mm. And Basically, what that came out of was a desire to help people who, number one, are needing to recover from addiction or betrayal trauma, who identify as Christ followers, but who need the structure that other people have found in 12-step communities. What I have found is that a lot of times you can find one or the other really easily. You can find like faith-based recovery resources 
that don't really embrace the structure of the 12 steps or 12 step resources that are really leery of the church because there's kind of mutual, you know, two way wounding over the years that's happened. But I've always felt like you can have both Mm -hmm. because like the 12 steps of AA from the big book that's been out like 90 years now, they're dripping with scripture. I mean, these are guys who read their Bibles Mm -hmm. and they understood if you look at the 12 steps, you're like, that's a great way to live a life of sanctification. Mm-hmm. It's just applying it to this one area of brokenness in your life. And so um, I was a part of another recovery community for several years before starting Awaken that was faith-based. And, you know, we just named Jesus as our higher power mm-hmm. and, um, and just found that community was a huge, huge component because, again, mm-hmm. we were all struggling from being disconnected and we needed to find healthy connection. Uh, because that's really the remedy for addiction mm-hmm. is is experiencing healthy connection with God, with self, with others. Mm-hmm. And so um, what started as informal conversations or just kind of being a part of another community eventually turned into um, a nonprofit where we offer support groups, mm-hmm. we offer coaching, we have intensives and workshops, and we help connect people to different things that they need for a life of recovery. Well, what have you seen? You know, what have you seen God do in the lives of so many men? I mean, as they bring, you know, our sin into the light, yeah. because we do as men, we just want to hide it. Yeah. We don't want people to know we're going through a battle. We don't want people to know mm-hmm. about pornography. We don't want people to know about the things that we're dealing with in the dark. But, but yeah. what have you seen as, as, as men bring this into the light? How have you seen God work? Well, first I've seen that it's really hard to bring it into the light mm. because most of the time... Um, even if you've confessed, there's a bit of being dragged kicking and screaming yeah. into transparency just because of fear. Mm. I mean, fear of abandonment, neglect, rejection, um, and sometimes because that's what people have experienced through life when they were really known. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have had a pretty abusive <clears throat> background in a lot of their relationships, and um, they just have anticipated that. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, there are Pat Carnes is kind of like one of the original, you know, experts in the field of sexual sexual addiction. He wrote a book in the 80s called Out of the Shadows, and he talks about these four core beliefs of an addict. The first core belief is that I'm basically a bad, unworthy person. Mm. You know, there's something wrong with me that's different or worse than you. And then the second core belief feeds off of the first, and that is that if you really knew me, you would leave me or you would reject me because of my defect. And so the third core belief is, therefore, I can't lean into you to get my needs met. I have to meet my own needs. And then number four is, blank is my greatest need. And Mm -hmm. so in my case, it was sex. And that's some people's cases, it's alcohol or drugs. But whatever I'm functionally going to whenever I feel less than, that's what I am experiencing as the fulfillment of my greatest need. And so that's what these guys have been living in for a lot of them, the majority of their lives. So when either through being exposed or confessing, they get connected with a community, um, there's still a lot of fear Mm -hmm. of this isn't going to take or it's not going to take with me. Um, they're used to living so much of their lives from a place of disconnection that um, we have real needs mm-hmm. and they're legitimate needs, but we've been used to trying to meet them in illegitimate ways. And so, you know, we, we just try to pro- provide a place where people are known and loved and accepted, even if they're still acting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they come in and they check in and say, hey, I acted out today the response is the same as it would be if they hadn't, which is, hey, thanks for sharing. We're so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like 
it's a flesh and blood experience of like where Romans 2 says that, do you not know that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance? Mm -hmm. They don't, Ray Ortland just wrote a a book that just came out called The Death of Porn. Mm -hmm. And he says something in it that says, I've never known anyone who found a deeper holiness through being scolded. And that just really rings true with me. We don't need more finger wagging or mm. disappointed furrowed brows or you know anything like that. And so much of the time, that's what comes in evangelical accountability contexts. It's kind of a mutual beating up of one another. Mm. Like that's what we need as men. We don't need to beat each other up. Mm. We need to be safe for one another. Sorry. And apparently my watch thought I was asking her a question. Sorry about that. Um, We don't need to beat each other up. We need to be curious and say, well, why is it that you think that that seemed like the the best option at the time? You know, what would it look like to believe the gospel in that moment? You know, and it's from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. That's where we begin to to lower our flinch and to let our shield down and Mm -hmm. to actually believe that I could be vulnerable and transparent and my life might not blow up. Mm. And so, you know, bringing it into the light usually is something that people have to dip their toe in the pool first. Mm. So a lot of times I'll meet a guy and he'll tell me a little bit of his story and I'll find out later there's more and then there's more. Mm, yeah. And that's not uncommon at all. Mm. And they just need to know that, that they've got a community that's not going anywhere. Because mm-hmm. they can't guarantee that in some of their other relationships. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were talking about that and maybe think about, you know, that verse that says, resist the devil and he will flee mm-hmm. from you, right? And so how do we resist the devil uh, in, in that sense, in that sphere of, because we are, as men, bombarded all the time with sexual images, with sexual innuendos, with thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's just, how do you resist the devil in that area? And what are some other verses or encouragement or um, just prayers that you give to guys to yeah. say, hey, Here's how you resist the devil in this area. You know, Jeff, one of the things that comes up a lot in conversations I have with other men is not only the scriptures that we go to, but like getting into how have I experienced these scriptures up until this point in my life. Mm. Uh, I was at a recovery meeting that we have up here in Nashville mm. last night, and the topic was what does it look like to take thoughts captive? You yeah. know, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized, and I kind of shared this, that my whole life, whether it was resist the devil or whether it was be holy or whether it was take every thought captive, I had this implied dot, 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 or else Mm. that I received. And that may not have always been said, but a lot of the commands of God were presented in a way that felt harsh or intense or you better do this or things are going to be terrible. And so the way I experienced Scripture in general was not life-giving, it was, it was fear-inducing. Mm. And so some of it is going to scriptures and saying, you know, this made me feel this way before, but what if that was never what God was trying to, to, to say? For example, um, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. When I was in active addiction, I would read, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right. And it would just deflate me because mm-hmm. I'm like, God, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that and I'm failing. Like, what's wrong with me? And I wouldn't realize because of the filter I was running it through, that that's only half of the thought. Mm-hmm. It says, knowing that it is God in you to will mm-hmm. and to act for his good pleasure. Somebody explained to me the imperative and the indicative mm-hmm. verb tenses that are present there. Like the imperative is, you do this, right? It's a command. Mm-hmm. And so work out your salvation, that's an imperative. Well, if I don't see the rest of the story, that's going to be discouraging because I can't always do that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's saying in the next phrase, that's right. Mm-hmm. 
because you can't even want to do it unless I'm powering that. Mm. You can't do it unless I'm powering that. So knowing that it is God who wills and acts. Mm. So if you want to obey me, that's me. If you obey me, that's me. I'm giving you a job that you can't do, and then I'm saying, I'm going to do it. All you have to do is let me. Mm -hmm. And so it goes from bootstraps to surrender. Mm -hmm. And when people can run it through a filter of all God is asking me to do is let him be in control. Mm -hmm. And he wants to do it not from a punitive place. So that's been huge. Another one that's been really, really huge for me has been like Second John 2, mm -hmm. um, because again, I would read my children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin or else, you know, yeah. and then comma, yeah. like, well, how did I miss the next part? But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so in that one verse, John's telling us that God's standard is not going to compromise, but his, his provision is unconditional. Mm. You know, he's made a provision for when I can't meet the standard. He doesn't lower the standard in order to accept me. He just makes somebody else to, to rise and meet the standard, and that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that not only was Jesus willing to mm. do that, but he's not ticked off at me mm -hmm. for making him do that, he did it willingly, mm. um, it just changes the dynamic of how I experience him, how I experience the Word of God, mm -hmm. and I can read it and have it be refreshing instead of shameful. Mm. That's that's powerful. I mean, because it I has think, been for me. Yeah, because Greg, I think so many guys live with shame. You know, oh, I mean, we yeah. we know this is wrong, and you know, the things that we act out, and and then you just you you wear that yeah. shame and that guilt, and you never recover from it. That's why you don't want to bring it in the light. That's why you don't want to yeah. do anything about it. And yeah. yet, it's God who's working in you. It's the it's the encouragement. And the challenge and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in you. And if you just respond and step out, man, God brings healing and God yeah. brings hope out of the shame and the guilt. The crazy thing about shame is shame is different from guilt in that guilt is an acknowledgement that I've done something yeah. wrong. And shame is saying that that's my identity. Mm. I'm doing this because that's who I am. Mm. And when people will say things like that, I'll sometimes just to kind of pivot the conversation say, let me ask you something. How do you feel right after you act out? And like, I feel like garbage. <laughs> I feel terrible. I'm like, do you think you would if that's just who you were? Like, if you were just yeah. acting out your identity, why would you sense that there's any problem with yeah. that? Maybe the fact that you feel terrible is actually good news mm -hmm. because it's the Holy Spirit it's... saying, that's not who you are. Yeah. Like, I'm inviting you to something better mm. than that. You know, wow. and, and what you have to do is believe me that I'm for you and not against you mm -hmm. and that I can take you where you want to go. Mm. Man, that's good. Hey, Greg, talk about this because, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're uh, a husband, you're a father. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what about for us as fathers? Yep. How do we help our, our sons? How do we help our kids in this world today? I mean, because yeah. you even said it started for you young, yep. you know. Uh, how do we help uh, encourage our kids, protect our kids mm -hmm. uh, in this challenge, this struggle that they're facing today? Well, um, for dads, the first thing I would say is, You've got to show your sons what honesty and transparency is, mm. not just talk about it. Um, if you are a father who is struggling with porn and sexual stuff, you've got to get help for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're trying to model integrity and purity uh, and, and you know following after God's design for sexuality and show that and t teach it to your son when you're not experiencing it for yourself, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. 
Um, so model it, and if you need to get help, then get help. It's the best thing you could do for yourself and for your marriage and for your kids. We've got local recovery meetings in Birmingham and Nashville, but we also have a Zoom fellowship, so no matter where you live, there's a weekly recovery meeting that you Good. can be a part of, and we would be able to connect you to that. Um, I think in-person is always preferable mm -hmm. to technological, but I thank God for technology that yeah. allows people who don't have anywhere else to get connected. So we're going to keep using, we started using Zoom during the early days of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we plan to always have that be one of our offerings. Um, there's a few books that I think are really great for people to look at. I, I don't tend to throw books at people right off the bat yeah. because then, again, we can kind of try to stay in isolation and well, I'll just read about this and I'll learn it myself. <laughs> but if you are interested in reading more about it, uh, Jay Stringer's Unwanted, um, Michael John Cusick's book, Surfing for God mm -hmm. is amazing. It's been out for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, Unwanted came out about five years ago or three years ago. Then the brand new one from Ray that I mentioned, Ray Orton yeah. called The Death of Porn. That would be a great place to start. Um, and then there's a podcast that has just been a game changer for me in understanding the origin story, the attachment and trauma wounds that oftentimes contribute to an eventual addiction. And the podcast is called The Place We Find Ourselves. It's hosted by a psychologist named Adam Young, who's a believer, um, who trained with, at, uh, with Dan Allender at the mm, Allender Center yeah. uh, on the West Coast. And it's phenomenal. There's about 100 episodes of that so far, and uh, it's very illuminating. So those are a few resources that we recommend to just everybody. Um, as getting started. And I'll say this as well. I know this is a men's podcast, yeah. and so that's been what most of our conversation has been about. But there's also a community necessary for women who are the spouses or the partners of these mm -hmm. guys. They need support too, and we offer that. And also women. That, mm -hmm. that is an exploding segment of women who are struggling with unwanted sexual behavior, mm -hmm. and we can help you know, make some connections for all of the above. Mm. Well, if you reach out through our website, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for all that you do, Greg. It's amazing. And you're helping so many people and so many guys. I mean, we, mm -hmm. you know, we all struggle in some area, you know, yep. and so don't think you're alone out there. Hey, Greg, tell us this one last question. Mm -hmm. What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, you, you gave me that question ahead of time. <laughs> and I, I always feel really awkward. Uh, like anything I come up with is going to be cheesy and it mm -hmm. may sound cheesy, but what I wrote down is I, I would love to be remembered as somebody who, mm -hmm who led hopeless people to a place where they found actual hope mm. um, because hopelessness is a part of addiction. I mm. mean, what, what's happening is we are using this behavior to try to make life work. It's a survival tactic mm -hmm. and we're putting all of our hope in what a therapist friend of mine calls a hopeless paradigm and to, to invite people out of a hopeless paradigm into one where we ask for help, we connect, and we actually get the needs met that we need. And, and, and we find, like, I thought I was done. I thought my story was over. And we realize that really the good part's just starting. That's, mm. that's what I'd love to be a part of. I mean, God's the one that does it. Um, and Amen. he uses people. And I just want to be used for that. Mm. Amen. Well, you are. And God's doing that Thank right you. now. So. Thank you. Oh, thanks for joining us. Hey, let me pray for us right now. Let's love pray. It. Father God, we need you. And Father, as men, mm -hmm. uh, we have battles that we're fighting, every one of us, Lord Jesus. And yeah. I, I pray for every man listening right now, God, that you would give us the courage, God, to take whatever step necessary that you're calling us to right now. And Father, whether that's letting somebody know, mm -hmm. um, God, whether that's going and confessing to our wife or our girlfriend or just, just even inviting somebody else into our story, God, so that we're not alone in this. Father, I pray, 
God, that you would just give us the boldness to be the men that you called and created us to be. God, I thank you that you're a God of grace, that you're a God of healing. Um, God, that you want the best for us. And God, just listening to Greg today, Father, and just thank you for his life and God, even his story and even the challenges and the hard parts, Father, yet God, to see the redemption and to see him bringing hope to hopelessness. And Father, I, I just pray that boldly for him. I pray for all the dads who are out there, God, that, that we would be men after your heart, that we would be calling and equipping our kids to, to live in this world uh, redeemed, restored. And so protect our kids, Father. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. And allow us, Father, to fulfill your will for our lives. It's in the name, the beautiful name of Jesus, that we have hope. Amen. 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 Mm. And guys, thanks so much for joining in today. Wow. Whew. This has been a, a powerful, powerful time. And I'm so grateful, Greg, for you joining you, in, Jeff. sharing your story, and being honest and real with all of us. And I pray, pray every guy, man, man, this is our time. You know, don't put it off, don't wait man, let's live it all right yeah. now. And yeah. and I'll say one more thing. Yeah. If you're the guy who somebody reaches out to, mm-hmm. I said, tell somebody. Yeah. If you're the guy somebody tells, please steward that well. Amen. Honor yeah. that well. Mm. Don't respond with judgment or harshness. Mm-hmm. First off, thank you so much for trusting me with this and telling me this. I don't know everything to tell you, but I know that you're safe with me. You mm. know, that's a great place to start. Um, you know, acceptance and they'll know that acceptance of them is not acceptance of sin. Right. Um, it's just like, I'm going to walk with you. We're going to figure this out. Amen. Yeah. Well, and man, go to that Awaken site. Guys, yeah. get there, get help. And uh, man, let's be that safe place for others. Amen. And let's be the men that God created us to be. So thanks for joining in today for Men's Leadership Podcast. Be watching every Friday for the Man Minute that will be coming out. We'll be following up on this subject through the month. And uh, also be looking next month for our next podcast. Hey, thankful for you guys. Have a blessed day. Thanks again for tuning into today's podcast. We pray what you learned will help you as you strive to become a better leader in your own home, workplace, and community. Once again, if you found this content helpful, we hope you'll subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. And be sure to join our email list to ensure you never miss an episode as they come out the first Friday of every month. You can do that now and find all of our past episodes at mensleadershipnetwork.com.